Hi everyone, I'm Anna Close. And I'm Paul Gibroni, and this is the Engineering History Podcast. If you want to hear about where engineering and history collide, then you're at the right show. Today, we will be going over Project Habakkuk, the Iceberg Aircraft Carrier. Ooh, okay, interesting. Have you ever heard of Project Habakkuk? I haven't, and I'm so excited to hear about it today. Well, I guess you could say I have a pretty good story for you then. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> All right. First, but first, let's give you some background about us. I am a manufacturing engineer at an aerospace company. And I'm a uh, water or civil engineer focusing in water resources and water distribution. We are no longer drinking during this podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a blanket ban, but we're doing dry January anyway. Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, it just wasn't working. Wasn't working. Look, we got some feedback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of feedback, we did not get feedback on this, but I'm going to do our very first podcast correction. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's right, folks. The Engineering History Podcast has become a source of misinformation. <laughs> you should... We're fake news, folks. Um, not really. In the last episode, uh, Statue of Liberty, great episode other mm-hmm. than this one thing, mm-hmm. I mentioned that the Notre Dame Cathedral, as we all know, mm-hmm. has had a massive fire incident. Yeah. And I mentioned a story I had read online, or actually that I had heard in a podcast... Yeah. That the game, the video game Assassin's Creed, was being used to rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral. Mm-hmm. After that podcast, great, co- great podcast, by the way. Yeah. Before you continue, I think it was in our um, Da Vinci episode. That was we, it in Da Vinci? I think it was. Whichever episode it was, folks, listen to both, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but whichever episode it was, um, turns out that's actually not the case. Mm-hmm. There's several articles online. So I heard it in a podcast. And then after the podcast, the podcast was great. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. But I had a little, little bug nagging at me. So I, I, I found the articles online where it was like, yes, this is happening. But then I found a second article that was like, no, that's actually not happening. Ubisoft, the company that makes Assassin's Creed, made a giant donation to help rebuild the cathedral. Oh, okay. And they said they would love to use the files if they're useful, but that they, like, they made no statement that they had actually been used. Sounds like it's at least a little murky, if not just downright false. But it does sound like they were interested in donating. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think, you know, if anybody loves history, it's those guys who make the Assassin's Creed games. I'm currently playing Brotherhood. Solid game. Nice. Solid game. All right. All right. Well, with that uh, little embarrassment out of the way, let me throw another brief disclaimer, which is that this story is well documented, but... Sometimes I would say the essential character of the story remains constant throughout, but there are some details that I will flag when they come up. There are some details that are, you know, maybe just different versions of the same story. Yeah. Just be aware of that. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Part one. (laughs) Spies. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Okay. June 1939. Your name is Frau Anna. (laughs) Are we doing this again? We're doing this. <laughs> You're a young German woman oh, living God. in Frankfurt. And I got to be honest, Anna, it's June 1939. You're kind of wondering, what the hell is going on in my country <laughs> right now? This mm. Adolf Hitler fellow really has everybody kind of whipped up into a frenzy. <sighs> You're a little oblivious to current events. You're like, You know some crazy shit's happening in your country. But you decide your best bet. It's a warmish Saturday morning. You're just going to go golfing. I told my mom not all of our episodes are about Nazis. (laughs) And here we are talking about Nazis. (laughs) Look, World War II just had some badass engineers. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Um, this is a British engineering story, to be clear. Okay. Anyway, as as a young German woman, however, you're you're kind. Have you seen those? Do you know what political compass memes are? Yes. You, so one of the things is that the centrist character mm-hmm. he just wants to grill. He doesn't <laughs> care about all of this. He's just gonna go out and grill. He's just gonna go. Okay. Okay. So I think you're kind of the German. Which, you know, if being a centrist in Nazi Germany, if that's really what you feel like is the right thing to do. I'm not saying that's but like, I guess you do. I guess you're not, this, is a, this is a made up situation. This is Frau Anna. I want you to know, I typed into ChatGPT, give me a German name from this time period. And it said Anna. Oh, my God. True story. Okay. So I was like, okay, I guess well, you have to be Frau Anna. My name is not, it's it's Czech Republic. It's not German. That is great, true. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. No, fair enough. You um, don't have to go into the family common history. Root, I bet. But whatever. <laughs> well, my last name used to be von Kluse. That is it used true. Used to be a German. Sounds last a little German. Sounds yeah. Little it used German to be. To I'm German. Yeah. Okay, my dad's cool. side. So it sounds like you're copping to the <laughs> fact that while all this crazy shit was going on in your country, you went golfing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, I don't know, like some oblivious president or something. So is that a, the equivalent to American grilling centrist? Exactly. Okay. This is the German <laughs> golfing centrist. <laughs> okay. Oh, hi, River. So you decided to grab the pals, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, Magalette. That's more of a French way of saying it. But yeah. yeah. You got to hit 18 holes. Do you golf at all in real life, Anna? No, I'm surprised women were allowed to leave houses in this, their this houses. This is kind of a constructed time. scenario. <laughs> <laughs> it's Germany, right? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in in this world, you're a big golfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good game. You mm-hmm. kind of mop the floor with these bitches. These are my friends. They came out to support you, and you were a little too competitive. These are the closest things I have to sisters. Well, um, too bad. The closest people I have to sisters, not things. That is true. But um, what the point, you're all having a fun time, right? Mm-hmm. You're having a fun time. And it looks like Hot Girl Summer is off to a great start. Oh, we love a Hot Girl Summer. Hot Frau Summer? Hot Frau Summer, yeah. <laughs> hot Fraulein? <laughs> I guess you'd be Fraulein, Anna, not Frau Anna. I think Frau is if you're married. Oh, yeah. Crap. Because Fraulein is like Miss, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Ooh, you Crap, done, another you correction in the same up. episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That's I wild. can be married in this. I can be married in this, right? You can't. The story oh. is I kind of made this whole little scenario. Oh. <laughs> You'll like it, I, cool. I hope. Anyway, after the game, Elizabeth pipes up. Would you guys like to grab a finisher <laughs> at the clubhouse? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, hate Elizabeth. <laughs> no, you're the one constructing this scenario and doing the voices. These are your friends. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> anyway, you and Margaret go, yes. <laughs> and the three of you head inside. <laughs> it's oh. kind of quiet for a Saturday, but you guys find a table. You're clinking together the Hefeweizens, right? <laughs> you're having a good time. Uh, and, and chopping on the Vienna schnitzels. Mm-hmm. Then you hear a voice behind you. Excuse me. Ooh. Didn't expect a British guy in there. Mm, that was Uh-oh. a shitty British accent. I, I felt like I had to say it because I'm so bad at British accents. <laughs> excuse me. River just licked me under the table. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that. Excuse me. You've been listening to the Harry Potter books. No, so I've also Ted Lasso as well. Yeah, that is true. I'll I, try. I'll, I'll do like a Roy Kent Excuse me. <laughs> that didn't. That was more Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't. I feel like I picked up Jamie Tart's accent more because it's so. Jamie thick. Tart's is impossible. It's, it's like just paper. It's just paper. <laughs> Let it flow, <laughs> folks. Engineering history podcast 
Didn't get a shout out exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. first episode, season three. Ted Lasso, folks. If you haven't seen it, great episode mm-hmm. and great show. Yeah. But I I think we should sue. Yeah, they, they stole our idea. word for word stole our one of our podcast episodes. Essentially. Yeah. Apple TV Plus, you'll be... Uh, You'll be getting. I think we're publishing this on Apple Podcasts, so I think I think we're in serious legal trouble. <laughs> anyway, uh, that guy says, "Excuse me." You turn and see a college-age guy. Mm-hmm. He lets you know that you dropped your napkin off your lap. <gasps> How kind! You'd look down to pick it up. He's already picked it up for you, Ooh. and he's handing it to you. I gotta be honest, I you flush us a little bit. You're flushing. It slightly. takes more more than that to make me <laughs> swoon for a man. Well, this is Fraulein Anna, okay? Oh, ah, I'm, I'm blushing. How how kind? You, you, you take exactly. It's it's that exact scenario. And hey, before he leaves, he quickly says, "Hey." I'm sorry if this is kind of weird, <laughs> but like, I was wondering, you want to get up to a bar so I can buy you a drink? <laughs> okay, Hagrid. <laughs> um, and, and this is when I was going to write your response, but I was like, you know what? I, you know, it's not 1939 anymore. What do you, how do you feel? What do you want to do? As Fraulein Anna or as Anna? I think you can control Fraulein Anna's actions. Okay, 1930, I'm putting myself in this woman's shoes. You know what? I'm kind of out there. I'm playing golf in 1939. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to I'm going to risk it. You know, this guy seems interesting. Seems you don't cool. come across a Brit every day. A Brit in Frankfurt, <laughs> Germany. <laughs> so, I'm going to say, you know what? You've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's cool. You guys uh, start chit-chatting. Turns out his name is George. George. He's a Brit. I hope you don't hold that against me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get cameras in here one day so we can, because your faces are so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, he's actually on a golf tour of Germany right now. Wow. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he saw you, just decided, hey, what the heck? I'm going to shoot my shot. Something about you German girls just steeps my tea bag. <laughs> I hate how much thought you put into this. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, hopefully as much thought went into the actual research. <laughs> Probably not. No, no, I'm just kidding. You ask him, you know, I I, I will talk for you in this scenario. Mm-hmm. You ask him what he does outside of doing golf tours of Germany. He probably has like a real job, you think, right? Yeah. He says he's a student, but it's been hard to focus on his studies. Mm. And you're like, why? Why is that? And he goes... It's this damn war. Looks like there's a lot of stuff is about to change for both our countries. What do you think about all this craziness? <laughs> I didn't understand anything you just said, so your accent is actually perfect. Right? It's like Ted Lasso. You need to watch it with subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, pipe-pipe. <laughs> I just bite, bite, just let it flow. Um, he basically was just asking you, like, you know, he can't focus on his studies because of the war. It's like, what do you think about all this stuff going on? Mm-hmm. And this is when I'm going to turn it back over to you. What What do you think as a as centrist Fraulein Anna who just wanted to go golfing today? As centrist Fraulein Anna that just wanted to go golfing today, you know, I, I try and keep up with the news and everything. Sure. I just want to go golfing. You just want to go know? golfing. I just, you know, I just want to go out. In the beautiful no, German uh, hillside country sure. country landscape. Well, Frankfurt beautiful, golf action. Beautiful golf. I just want a beautiful golf. That's a beautiful golf day. You know Beautiful Mind, that movie? Yes. But for golfing. Beautiful. That's me. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful golf, beautiful mind. Yeah. Beautiful 
German Fräulein Anna. Yeah. That's a one hell of a movie title. It is. <laughs> That's beautiful. a sequel, actually, to A Beautiful Mind. Beautiful Girl, Beautiful Mind, Beautiful... It's uh, Beautiful Frau Fräulein Anna. Tons of stuff. <laughs> There's lots going on. <laughs> There's... We have finished it, so... <laughs> okay, can we pause for a second? I need to take this off. It's getting hot. Sure. Do you want to just keep it rolling? Yeah. Because I just, I, I, the thing's in a weird position. And yeah, 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 yeah. Folks, we recently did an upgrade to the podcast studio that is not an upgrade. <laughs> and now, like, the like it's hard to adjust the audio mid-pod. But that's fine. Oh, that's fine. I'm just wearing a heavy sweater. And yeah. A comfy, I believe a they call comfy, it. Yeah. Which is basically a Snuggie. I think they just ripped it off. I actually, I used to have one of these. And then River had massive diarrhea all over it. <laughs> oh, and my then God. And my dad's like, why are you throwing this out? It's perfectly good after we washed it. And I was like, ew. Ah! Dude, <laughs> they built them out. different. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay. All right. Anyways. So, anyways, you you and your you you continue your conversation with the George, but I'm gonna be honest, Anna. By the end, it's pretty obvious this isn't really a love connection. Mm, okay. Damn. You say goodbye to George. You're like, hey, look me up next time you're in Frankfurt, but you go back to the other girls. Yeah. Okay. So you're going back. You're having a good time, and then George walks out. That's the last we're gonna see of Fraulein Anna. Mm-hmm. George walks out of the thing, and he's joined by another student friend of his. As they walk away coolly, he says, "John, why don't you write down?" I tried that subject. She didn't have an opinion. We'll keep it going from here, but I want to write all this down while we get back to headquarters. Whoa. What the fuck? What just happened? Is this guy a spy? A spy? And I overhear this, and I bring out my (laughs) pistols, and I start shooting. (laughs) I start shooting. So anyway, so I started blasting. I get I get my my lucky quarters or whatever and I put them in a sock and I just start This isn't D&D. You can't just like make up the story. Okay, fine. <laughs> but uh, I am, so <laughs> That's fair. This is part 1 spies, so like you might think spies could be involved. I, t- I honestly, I just heard part 1 and then that's all I heard from you. I didn't hear the spies part. That's completely fair. But you know what's not fair? <laughs> what? I don't know. I was just trying to. We just we just cut a part out. So I'm trying to ease the transition. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, so what the heck just happened? I don't know. You tell me. Turns out that you, Fraulein Anna, mm-hmm. were just the victim of a massive espionage operation. Operation. Whoa. <clears throat> Whoa. Massive might be an overstatement. The architect of this op. <clears throat> was a man named Jeffrey Pike. Have you ever heard of Jeffrey Pike? No. So I had not heard of Jeffrey Pike either. Mm-hmm. He's an extremely hard man to describe. Okay. Like I tried I'm just get we'll, we'll just go through his his stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'm almost shocked that Jeffrey Pike is not more famous just cuz he's mm. like a weird kind of wacky figure. Okay. Like this whole golf operation yeah. is like one of the kinds of plans that he would do. Britt, born 1893. Mm-hmm. Before we attempt to, before we even walk down the pike path. Okay. Before we pike it up. <laughs> okay. Let's just describe what his plan was here. Okay. Okay. And then we'll kind of work backwards to who exactly this guy was. Gotcha. <clears throat> pike was a British guy, as I mentioned, who had a sneaking suspicion that the support of the German people was really not on Hitler's side and that a war between Germany and the rest of the world would be really unpopular. Mm, Boy, was he wrong. (laughs) Well, see, the crazy thing is 
He was right. Who knows? Ooh, okay. It, it, see, okay. The thing, obviously, it's Nazi Germany. They're mm-hmm. not going to run some public opinion poll of like, do yeah. you guys actually support this or not, right? Yeah. But you are in the propaganda going to make it look. You know, a lot, this is a total tangent, but a lot of our, like, when we think of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. like in the past now, mm-hmm. in my mind, I always think of like tanks and like goose stepping Nazis yeah. and like a giant parade and stuff. Yeah. Did you know a lot of that mental image mm-hmm. was constructed by? Yes. The, yeah, it's yeah, that movie. I know. You know it, what I'm talking about? It's a about? movie, yeah. What's, yeah. It's, I think it's called Triumph of the Will. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But, yeah. like, a lot, there was a lot of propaganda on, yes. on both sides, to be fair. No, like, to, yeah, of course. We were doing um, propaganda, too, 100%. But that's how, that's kind of how it all started was just, yeah. you know, getting, trying to rile the people up, right? Yes. Yeah. And, like, but also just projecting this image of yourself as mm-hmm. this, like, indomitable thing that like mm-hmm. France can hope to and like France you know we give France a lot of shit on the EHP actually yeah. not really we kind of love France we do love France please let us in your country we've been banned <laughs> we gave them a lot of shit last episode <laughs> but honestly like I don't know I think part of the reason that like that France like is like has the reputation they do is like it's like I don't know Germany had projected this image of like we are like this unstoppable yeah. force so we're just gonna steamroll yeah. you you know there's also they kind of projected this um what was it? This this thing to like the masses, especially the youth, that they were mm-hmm. like the chosen mm-hmm. race or whatever. They were like the top dogs, top race kind of. This is what totalitarian systems often do. They yeah. like they they centralize themselves, and they just say like we're like in inevitability. So it, you can either join us or mm-hmm. you can get steamrolled by us. Essentially, yeah. There's a great movie. It's a satirical movie, Jojo Rabbit. Have I've you... heard it's great. I've heard I, it's amazing. I, I really want to watch it. I think it's very, very interesting satire on the Germans because they were kind of dumb in some ways. And apparently drug use was, like, super common. Like, apparently by the end, Hitler was on this, like, insane cocktail of drugs. That like, doesn't surprise me. It was, like, falling apart at the seams. But you project this, like, image and, like, that's it's insane that that's what we remember, you know? Yeah. Anyways, we we definitely have to watch that movie and, like, a breakdown of it because it's yes. really interesting. I'm going to be 100% honest, mm-hmm. and this will be the most controversial thing I've said on this podcast. Oh, no. Maybe ever. Oh, no. I love all of Taika Waititi's movies, including Thor Love and Thunder. No, I love, I love Thor Love and Thunder. Right? I actually really, I enjoyed parts of it. It was kind of like... It's a little haphazard. It's, yeah. It's yeah. a little wacky. Watch it. Folks, if you've seen it, you didn't like it. That's rewatch totally fine. it. That's totally fine. But yeah. I, what I would say is rewatch it and pretend the MCU doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. The Guardians of the Galaxy are there in the beginning and they just kind of show up, but they're just kind of side characters. Yeah. Forget about all the connections. It's okay if you've seen the Thor movies. It's just a fun, wacky adventure. I my parents <laughs> love it. It's they a good movie. really love that movie. I'm a fan. I I love Ta- uh, Taika Waititi's. There's um. What we do in the dark. There's like mm-hmm. a like kind of like a spinoff of that on Hulu. It's so funny. I literally have never seen a movie he made that I didn't like. Exactly. So I would totally believe that. Okay. Well, we're getting off track. We, we totally were, are. We were talking about Fräulein <laughs> Anna, and now yes. we're on Taika Waititi. So, so I, yes, to drive us back home, the point is that obviously in Nazi Germany, you can't run a public opinion poll. Yeah. But what you could do is sneak a bunch of fake, like, golf students into <laughs> oh Germany to casually strike up conversations <laughs> on the green, wherever, and be like, hey, what do you think about this, like, a whole war situation? Oh, my God. And then they all kind of collect at the end. They're like, okay. Had like five yeses, two nos, and one neutral, or like mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, 
Yeah, and so turns out Fraulein Anna was a victim of this scheme. The crowning piece of this plan, by the way, this was only part one. Part two was they needed to find a way to somehow give the results to Adolf Hitler. <laughs> that was like the end game. Like leave it on his desk or something. Oi, does anyone know where, where Adolf Hitler uh, office is? He's like, I got his number, bruv. <laughs> Any fine day. <laughs> We love the Brits. Please let us in your country. Yeah, we're actually banned from that one. We're banned from all countries. <laughs> we're banned from all of Europe after I said said that. Uh, um, I don't know. Just we're we're not allowed. We're yes. not allowed to leave this. They country. won't let us in. Why would we want to leave this beautiful country? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Anyway, uh, part two of this plan never happened because Hitler invaded Poland and the whole poll was kind of a moot point. Oh, but... oh yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, solid plan, though. And who exactly was this guy who thought that this whole wacky plan would be a good use of his time? Pike? Jeffrey Pike. Yeah. Well, mm. we mentioned 1893. Mm-hmm. Classic engineering history podcast bullying childhood. He was a little different, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He was like the only Orthodox Jewish kid in like his class. And like his mom had him do all the traditional stuff. And like, you know, you know, let's put it this way, folks. It wasn't just Nazi Germany at the time who was like anti-Semitic, right? Like everybody was a little bit anti-Semitic, including the U.S. Um, Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, no, and I mean, he, you know, the schoolyard is often where you'll, like, get the brunt of that kind of thing. Yeah. Honestly, it reminded me a lot of Oppenheimer, weirdly, because Oppenheimer was also Jewish, but Mm. I think he was bullied mostly for other reasons. Yeah. But funny enough, Pike, Pike has, like, at least the way, like, I'm reading that his brain works, like, Mm -hmm. I think he was going to be bullied either way, but, you know, the other, it it, it didn't help, right? Yeah. Um, Anyway, regardless, he kind of comes up through that, whatever. You know, he shakes it off. They didn't have therapy back then. You just no, got to deal with they it. Didn't. <laughs> um, so he ended up uh, going to college, but he dropped out because the First World War happened. Mm-hmm. But instead of becoming a soldier, he was like, I want to really be like a war correspondent. Wouldn't that be cool? Like communications? Like like for a newspaper. So like oh, I'm British. Okay. I go over to Germany and mm. I report on the war, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. There's actually an amazing movie uh, about modern war correspondents called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Oh, Have you seen this movie? Yeah. No, I haven't yeah. seen it. I've heard of it. It's very good. Yeah. It's very good. Um, I think Margot Robbie's in it. A uh, bunch of really talented people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he has no training, no nothing like this that I can Mm -hmm. tell, but he eventually somehow convinces a newspaper to give him the assignment, and they're like, okay, you can go to Germany, but, like, how do we, like, we're not even, like, it's, like, impossible to go to Germany right now, so good luck. He's like, yeah, bet. He, like, like, illegally buys an American passport and then smuggles his way into Germany and, like, sets, he goes to Berlin and he's, like, sending shit to the newspaper. Oh, interesting. Everybody thought this was totally impossible. Mm. And he does it successfully for six days when he's arrested (laughs) by the Germans and Uh. informed that he will be shot immediately. Whoa. Whoa, buddy, that is old. He's just sending letters, man. So this is, like, a high high espionage time, Mm -hmm. right? Right? Oh, so they're like, okay. yeah. yeah, this newspaper, no way, buddy. You're working for the British. Okay, but, like, he got an American passport with yeah. a British accent. Buddy, of course you were going to get you arrested. Know, <laughs> look, it, he lasted six days. That's pretty good. But it, okay. Especially with your British accent. Do you know if he tried to pull off an American accent? I have no clue. There's no details from this time period. I did hear that, like, back in the day that, uh, like, what we think of as – this is – 
I'm one of my pod resolutions. <laughs> I'm gonna cut it off there. I've been trying to do this less on the pod, mm-hmm. where like I'm gonna say something that I think I heard is true, but maybe it's not actually yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I want to be totally clear. I don't have any good information on accents at this time and how similar they were to each other. Yeah, 2024 is the year of not misinformation for the Engineering History Podcast. Yes. Yeah. And to be clear, there were no years of misinformation. <laughs> well, 2023 was kind of... No. Well, there was that one episode. <laughs> no misinformation. Yes, that is true. There is that one episode where the U.S. government paid us not to mention all of that... Cr- shh, shh, oh, crap! <laughs> <laughs> the air is getting sucked out of this room! We're fine. <laughs> anyway... So he was informed that he would be shot, but then they're like, fuck it, we'll just send you to prison. That's fine. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so nice of them. So nice of them. But Pike, this was their fatal mistake. They should have shot this guy. <laughs> okay? They were being too nice. Literally. Like, they, they're like... <laughs> Nazi Germany was too nice. No, no, this was World War I. Oh, oh okay. This okay, was, so this I was... believe this was the... Was this the First Reich or the Second Reich? Because one of them... I, I think it's the Second Reich. I didn't keep track. <laughs> I listened. There was a whole World War One hardcore history. Mm-hmm. Twenty five hours World War One insane podcast. Oh, I love so good. Twenty five hours worth of World War One content. Oh my god! When you get to trench warfare, it's insane. <gasps> it's a depressing podcast. Ins- yeah. Yeah. Well, it's well, maybe we'll do a podcast episode on it. That would be good. The construction. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Anyway, um, you know how always we joke on the podcast that people go into, like, Sigma mode and they get, like, jacked and they're really, like, close? Yeah. So Pike literally does this. Oh he goes to prison God. and he starts this intense calisthenics regimen because <laughs> he's like, you think I'm staying here, bitches? <laughs> no way. Oh, my God. You know, that kind of reminds me of I, – I lo- I, we love um, the drunk history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big inspiration for the show. Yeah. And essentially, like, there was this guy in, I think, the Reagan or Nixon era. Which was Reagan or Nixon? Which one hated hippies? Um, Both of them, but Nixon really hated hippies. I think it was in the Nixon era. So this guy, I think he's actually in California. Um, He's just, like, you know, he's, he's, like, not doing really anything wrong. He's just, like... Being sort of hippy dippy, kind of like he's sitting peace. on a street corner. Yeah, just and he's a professor, and he's just you know peace to the world, kind of like not saying anything that would be harmful. Um, Nixon doesn't like this, and he arrests him on false charges of marijuana possession. Whoa! And he and some students uh, coordinate a plan to get him out of prison. But essentially, what he has to do. Wait, who does? Um, the professor that gets arrested and some of his students coordinate a plan to get him out of prison. Mm -hmm. But the only way he can do this is climb up like a telephone pole and then sort of like, um, use the telephone wire and sort of just like shimmy his way down. He had to get jacked for this. Fuck yes. So he went into training montage mode. Hell yeah. And I'm just (laughs) guessing like this guy is the British version. This is literally the British version of that. (laughs) I fucking love it. Can we just say the podcast as a rule is pro going to jail, getting Death and then escaping. <laughs> we are not. Just like in most circumstances. We are pro taking care of your body and feeling, I don't know, you know, just get arrested and and break out. Do you think he had an eight pack? He had to. Yeah, no way. Oh, River. By Is the she way. Still in here? Yeah, okay. Yeah, she, by the way, if you guys hear River walking around in the background, she's just walking around in the background. That's all it is. We're not throwing hot coals at her and making her dance like in the Turnspit Dog episode. 
that was so insane. <laughs> and no one believes us when we told our friends about yeah. that. And we're like, no, it's real. <laughs> and everybody's just like, why do you always give us these wacky stories? <laughs> Please stop talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know you. <laughs> and it's just like, did you know gravestone lined the gutters of a park in San Francisco? And they're like, Please. Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> Please go away. <laughs> anyway, so... um. Pike gets jacked. I, I think we can say with confidence he has an eight pack at this point. Oh yeah. Um, and he's in his prison cell. He eventually waited till sunset one night. Okay. And it, like literally perfectly timed it so that if the guards looked in, so he, he decided to scale a wall. And for the guards look in the direction, the sun is like blinding Ooh. them, and he's like scaling this wall and just goes like, <gasps> and just like throws himself oh over the God. edge. True story. He yeets himself to freedom and then hops on a train to go to Berlin and then takes that to the Dutch border and bounces. Oh, I love him. I love, love this guy. him. Love he's this so guy. great. There's this really crazy part that I was, I didn't write this down, but mm-hmm. there's this crazy part where he's like running through the woods or whatever and he's like Ooh. 50 meters from the Dutch border and then he runs into a soldier. <gasps> he's just like, oh, fuck. And he's like trying to play it nonchalant and the guy's like, dude, I'm a Dutch soldier. You're actually already over the border. Oh. <laughs> he's like, ah. <laughs> Dude, I would have killed him. I know. I would have had to. You, you got to do what you got to do. And then it's like, oh, wait. Oh, no. I done goofed. I what done if he goofed. was wearing an extremely obvious Dutch uniform? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know? It's, it's like, just, I like, am Dutch. It's like written, yeah, all over his uniform. I am Dutch. And he's like, I'm a bloodthirsty murderer. I just want to do what I want to do. On the other hand, if I was the Germans, I would put all my guys in Dutch uniforms on the border. That's actually smart. I don't think you can do that. Though. I think that's illegal. Yeah. Although I don't think the Geneva Convention was a thing because this was they were oh, using chemical warfare during yeah, World War One. Right. Oh shit! So you could kind of do whatever the Dude, fuck you want. World War One, World War Two, crazy times. Insane. They Insane. Did cra- mustard gas. It not was made like, out of mustard. Yes. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when you're drinking white claws and mm-hmm. there's no laws when you're drinking claws. It was like that, but for warfare. So what's next? <laughs> <laughs> so. He gets back to the newspaper office, mm-hmm. and he walks in, and he's, like, really solemn, and he's like, guys, I failed the mission. <laughs> that was not a British accent. Sorry. He's like, I filed my mission. Mission filed. <laughs> mission filed. We'll get him next time. <laughs> For our Call of Duty fans. Um, but then he told them the story, and they were like, this is awesome. And they're like, he, they printed the whole story, because mm-hmm. obviously that's crazy. And he mm-hmm. became this, like, minor celebrity for a while, actually. Oh, okay. And then the newspaper asked him to write a, a, whole, a whole series. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, actually, I'm not really interested in the job anymore. <laughs> Please don't make me go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just quit. Um, that is kingship behavior. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I don't really want to walk through every single, uh, like, wacky. Basically, his life just sounds like a series of these wacky adventures <laughs> up until World War II. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have time to go through every single one. But I do think we want to um, we want to hit some of the quick highlights of his greatest hits. Oh, yeah. Um, before we do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably gathered this already, but I want to make something explicit. Okay. Which is that Jeffrey Pike was a little bit out there. Like, I would have never guessed. I'm sure that's probably <laughs> obvious. He Okay. So he was always partial to like weird solutions, weird like I'm going to like buy a passport and then mm-hmm. just, oh, I got captured. I'm going to escape now. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, he, like his life just feels like this like James Joyce stream of consciousness, just like, like one kind of random adventure. Yeah. Those people... And I know because I feel like I have a touch of this myself. I have like a one. Whatever, if this guy is 100% dose, I have like a 1% dose of this. Yeah. But like those types of people, 
you know, stability is not like their their core feature. Mm-hmm. You know, they would not be happy, for example, like pulling a lever in a factory or something. Or, or and a that's desk a, job. Or a desk job, right? That that kind of person needs to be bouncing around doing wacky adventures. Yeah. And a large part of my life is figuring out how I can have wacky adventures because <laughs> I love wacky adventures. <laughs> Who doesn't? But I think this guy got the double dose. He, When he was in the German prison with nothing to do other than get jacked, he actually started to doubt his own sanity. He literally Ooh. was like, there's like certain people, I think, who just need to be doing things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You send somebody like that to prison... They, it's like it's like uh, like sharks. Or, is this? I'm not going to speculate if this is true or not, <laughs> but maybe there's some kind of animal where if you stop swimming, you die or something. Yeah, but I that might just be bullshit. It might be an old wives' tale. I, I, but I get the, I get the idea. You it's get the like analogy. Prison is the worst thing because it's a prison in his mind too. That was he's, the real prison. He that's stopped the prison he, yeah. doing anything except for like getting jacked. But that's not enough. This that's guy not enough. This guy needs a 12-pack. Yeah, he needs the sunshine. He needs to be yes. out in the open gallop, g- gallivanting through forests <laughs> like a deer. Like a deer. <laughs> he needs to be munching grass a little bit. <laughs> this guy's just a deer, by the way. He's just a deer. Yeah. <laughs> Deary. <laughs> anyway, here here is some of the quick highlights after he got out of the German prison mm-hmm. when the World War One ends. One, gaming the stock market and making a shit ton of money, <laughs> which he just did. At one point, he controlled one third of the world's tin supply, <laughs> which has nothing to do with espionage or being a foreign correspondent. It's just cool as fuck. It's just cool as fuck. The Malting House School, which is a special school. He had a kid and he was just like, he was like, the school system took all my creativity away. So I'm going to make my oh. own school where I'm going to like think of like a Montessori school. He's oh, like, I'm going to yeah, nurture yeah, yeah. like creativity and stuff. I actually love that. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I, I love this. He used his stock market money to like fund it. By the way, he like hired this person who was like super qualified. Mm-hmm. And then he like just stepped all over her like stuff. Oh. And he was like, actually, I'm going to control this. <laughs> um, and then I think they had an affair. It was like this Ooh. crazy thing. Ew. Okay. Yeah. I don't love that, but I love that he wants to, like, make the school system less, you know, like, I mean, I went through public school. Oh, yeah. A lot of people who went through public school can understand. They will break you. No, they'll they'll take your individuality. Any kind of creativity, much like this guy said, they will take away from you. Oh, thank you, A hundred percent. So I like that. I don't like the affair part. I think in everything he did, maybe except the affair, (laughs) his intentions were truly good. Yes. I think... I think, like a lot of people, he found himself with a weird brain and is trying to harness that energy. Yeah. You have to pet River. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By the way, you think that he's just like a school admin? Mm -hmm. You think he's just a spy? Mm -hmm. You think he's just a stockbroker? Okay. Uh Uh-oh. What podcast are we on? This guy's an engineer. I knew it. He's a designer. He has to be. And he really wanted... He was extremely interested in the Spanish Civil War for some reason. (laughs) I get it. He designed and deployed special sidecars for motorcycles to carry hot food to the front lines of the Spanish Civil War. Oh, my God. (laughs) And bring casualties back. Oh. During World War II... He developed a motorized sled that was later adapted into the M29 Studebaker Weasel by the U.S. Army. Apparently, he was just, like, extremely interested in, like, tundra combat. And he designed this, like, basically proto-snowmobile where the U.S. Army essentially was like, this is an amazing idea. We love your design. You are impossible to work with. We're going to take your design. You're fired. And we're going to make this thing. That is that is some king shit behavior as well. Some fucking king shit behavior. Finally, hit the last of his greatest hit, the Romanian oil fields. No context. <laughs> 
just the <laughs> Romanian oil fields. That's you it. You get it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's a, that's something that just wacky. He was designing. He was gaming the stock market. He was just like a weird consultant, basically. This is just how he lived his life. Yeah. By the way, he got, after he ran the school, he ran out of stock market money, went totally broke. He just lived <gasps> off his friends for the rest of his life. Oh, my like, God. He, he was not making money. He was just kind of an eccentric weirdo oh. in the best way. We, we love eccentric weirdos, but oh, living off your friends is kind of, yeah. that's like cringe. And having <laughs> affairs, like, it's like, you know, I, yeah, right? The school, is it still around to this day? Is it no, school? I don't Aww. think so. I, I think it had to shut down when it when it ran out of money, right? Oof, um, oofings. People like this are often amazing for like one, I almost think, I actually the person I kept thinking of when I was reading about this guy was Leonardo da Vinci. That's what people. I was thinking too. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like you have this kind of out there brain, mm-hmm. you're great at starting stuff, mm-hmm. you're kind of innovative, but you're not necessarily the guy who's going to follow through per se. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so some of those last examples, the uh, Studebaker weasel or what became the Studebaker. Mm-hmm. And the Romanian oil fields. <laughs> no context. No context. <laughs> he did with the British Combined Operation Command, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Combined Operations Headquarters. See, by this point, he was really starting to gain a reputation as a guy who, yes, was really off the wall and definitely kind of eccentric, mm-hmm. but whose idea might just be the perfect solution to your problem. And if Combined Operations Command sounds familiar, it's because you, on a close, did an episode on Operation Pluto. <gasps> I was just thinking about that. Oh Ever my heard god! Of it? Yes, right. that was really that was a fun episode. A fun ep, a good ep. I when you said like World War Two, I was yeah. like, oh, and British That's is Operation crazy. Pluto going to be involved? It's going to be involved. Oh my, the conundrums. The conundrums. <laughs> what is a conund? I still don't know. <laughs> like. <laughs> Do you get why I was? Because like the word conundrum already means. Like, I know. A, I know. It's just just freeze. <laughs> I didn't know a conundrum was a type of drum. Okay, you're just gonna have to breathe through this one. <laughs> I'm doing my one two three breathing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I I don't know anything else about Combined Operations Command besides that podcast and this one. Mm-hmm. They seem like kind of the wacky arm of like British <laughs> engineering, where it's like we have a wacky problem. These yeah. guys need to go do it. Mm-hmm. Pluto was an example of the sort of weird thinking that could sometimes work out well for the British. And they needed that kind of thinking desperately for ice-related reasons. Mm. Now, I got to be honest. Yeah. I found – I mentioned this kind of at the beginning of the podcast. Sourcing on this story is kind of hard. Mm -hmm. For the same reason, I think – so, one, it's not that well documented. Mm -hmm. Two, the people who write stuff down about it are often kind of biased. They were involved. It's almost like Winston Churchill's history of the Second World War, mm-hmm. where he's the best source because yeah. he was right there, mm-hmm. but he is also going to make England look the best in every single scenario. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, my, my only point here is that I, I've read sources that uh, how the project, Project Habakkuk, <laughs> the iceberg aircraft carrier that we're going to talk about. Okay. How this project started, I read that it started to solve icing problems on, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're riding your ship through the Arctic and a bunch of ice gets formed on it. Yeah. I read one source about that. I couldn't find it corroborated. We here on the Engineering History Podcast, we like to make sure we have a lot of sources, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say definitively how Pike started working on the project. What I can tell you is this, right? Lord Lewis Mountbatten. Had, 
Sorry, right? is he involved in the? He's the head of Combined Operations Command. Ooh, and right? didn't didn't like one of his family members marry the queen or something like that? Like Mountbatten is as a name associated with the right. royal family. I so I looked up his whole background, and I know that uh, he definitely like there's the British aristocracy is related. Mm-hmm. By the way, okay, as long as we're on the tangent, <laughs> anyway, super pedophile. Like, insane love. He was, like, he was part of this, like, Jeffrey Epstein-style pedophile ring, like, like, back in the 40s and 50s. Sorry, I went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole on this guy. Um, I know. Wacky. But he was also the head of Combined Operations Command, so um, Mm -hmm. not the only complex figure we're going to run into this podcast, by the way. That's a little bit of a teaser for you. I'm so excited. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this very same Lord Louis Mountbatten, (laughs) head of Combined Operations Command, recruited Jeffrey Pike. Okay. Precisely because he was so good at looking things from a different perspective. Now, how the ice situation started, again, I don't feel confident saying, but I do know Jeffrey Pike got very interested in ice, its use during the war. Yeah. Maybe it was icing on chips. Maybe it wasn't. Regardless, mm-hmm. Mountbatten basically tells Pike, hey, go work on ice. Give me an ice thing. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. I'm used to getting my way because I'm a fucking weirdo. I'm not a good man. <laughs> Folks, look up Lewis Mountbatten on Wikipedia. It's wacky. Oh, okay. I went down this whole rabbit hole. Some of the people involved are still alive, by the way. Oh, my God. That's really sad. Okay. Let's just move forward with this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, part two. Oh. Iceman. <laughs> oh. So, look. I want to give you a little context. April. <laughs> 1942. Oh, God. The cold Arctic sun shines brightly on the hull of the HMS Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. The Edinburgh is a town-class light cruiser of the British Royal Navy, and the job it's doing right now is crucial to the war effort. Mm -hmm. Okay? See, naval superiority... Let's just back up. For the powers that fight wars, let me tell you what the secret... I heard an expression one time, and the expression was, amateurs talk strategy. Yeah. Professionals talk logistics. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. For the powers that be that fight wars, supply lines are the secret weapons. You could have all the resources in the world, but if you don't have a way to get them to your allies, mm-hmm. kind of useless, right? Okay. Yeah. Because of this reason, domination of the Arctic and specifically sort of lines between um, the United Kingdom and the Soviet Union mm-hmm. and being able to like go back and forth between that and the U.S. Yeah. That was extremely crucial. Okay. Like the Arctic Sea and all, all that. Kind of that whole area. Okay. Got it. That's, and the U.S. had passed the Lend-Lease Act of 1941. This authorized the U.S. to provide allied forces with food, oil, and, yes, war materiel, Ooh. all for free because it was good strategy for them to build up their allies to quash the German threat, right? Ooh, okay. But you have your supply lines, and you have the Germans kind of in there as well. Yeah. And... There's icing, as we mentioned before, going on, mm-hmm. and naval superiority in general was so important because if you have these merchant ships going on and the Germans show up and you don't have air superiority, mm-hmm. you don't have naval superiority, mm-hmm. those guys are fucked. They're dead. They're, they're Yeah, I okay. see your point. And here's the thing. You might be like, okay, you got this little merchant ship. He's going along. Just jump overboard, right? Just yeah. You swim to safety. Just grab a thing. Uh-huh. This water, I'm, this is not an exaggeration. This water is so fucking cold oh. that if you fall overboard, you would literally die in two minutes. <gasps> literally. 
Oh, that is so scary. Like, the heat, like, leeches out of your body. Oh, my God. That is so scary. It's like a cold plunge, but in sanity mode. And, like, like, you can't leave the cold plunge. Oh, that is so... Okay, so there's no jumping overboard. There's no jumping overboard. I I have a picture. I don't... Oh, here we go, actually. I think I could move this. Basically, this is the kind of freaking conditions that we're talking about. This is the HMS Inglefield. Why don't you go ahead and describe what this picture looks like? It looks like a boat covered in ice. Yeah, it's it's like... caked on there and this is the water that like if you fell in you would die look how icy that deck is you think this guy wants to be walking out here right now they they all they're all just like parked up they're parked up kind of like a california when it gets below 60 degrees you know what i'm saying we we know because we've we've seen it before a lot colder than that though (laughs) anyway whether it was for icing whether it was for air superiority merchant superiority the one thing is they definitely needed a little ice innovation. A little, yeah, ice, ice baby. A little ice, ice baby that actually recruited vanilla ice. They, <laughs> ice tea. <laughs> a little ice tea action, a little ice cube. Yeah. You got a whole ice themed um, band going. Yeah. I'm, I feel things. I'm, or, what, 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 I care now. I care now. <laughs> you made me care. Uh, it's from Rick and Morty. Yes. <laughs> You'd have to be there. Good show. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell off. Ever since yeah. season five, I haven't really watched it. I have been. It's good. It's good. Maybe I'll pick it back up. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before mm-hmm. that Lewis Mountbatten gave Pike the project. Yeah. I also mentioned that Mountbatten was not going to be our one sort of controversial figure. And by the way, I'm not comparing this figure to Mountbatten. That was a whole crazy scenario that um, yeah. kind of fucked up, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But we are going to run into a guy who we've met before on the EHP, the guy that Pike took this project to. Okay. This guy had worked with Pike on the SLED project. Yeah. A little bit of an eccentric himself. Okay. I read a lot of his work, which is actually primary sources for this story. Mm -hmm. His name is Max Perutz. Ooh, that name does sound familiar. So Max Perutz showed up in your episode on Rosalind Franklin. (gasps) Oh. And if you remember, he does not look amazing in that story. No, he doesn't. So it's hard to recap his role in that story. Folks, Anna did an amazing job on the episode. You should just listen to that one. Mm -hmm. But the story, as you do you remember we actually re-recorded that episode? Because, like, the, the story is so controversial that yeah. like like there's just a level of like like you just need it dialed in. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth with the Rosalind Franklin story on whether or not Watson and Crick actually stole the work from her exactly. or if they were just all working together and we had to we had to, I mean there's a lot of sources but I both sides are very biased so I applaud you for taking the time to re-record that episode because I I love the way you laid it out in the mm-hmm. final version mm-hmm. and so all of this is basically to say that I'm not going to be able to recap that yeah, entire no, episode we're right not. here <laughs> Here's what I will say which and and just like you did in the episode what I want to do is just say the facts mm-hmm. which is that for contested reasons Max Perutz, who we talked about in that previous episode, was working for Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge. Yeah. He sent Watson and Crick, mm-hmm. who typically get the credit for the discovery of... Oh, bless me. The, uh, sorry, double helix nature of DNA. Is yes. that correct? Yeah, the structure of DNA. The structure of DNA. He sent them an unpublished report with unpublished X-ray diffraction pictures that were taken by Rosalind Franklin mm-hmm. before she had a chance to publish a detailed analysis of the content of that report. Yeah. 
And there's a bunch of back and forth of like, why did he do that? Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that's all in that episode. I don't want to rehash that here. Yeah, it's a it's a interesting situation. Very complex. Yes. And very, like I said, very biased on both sides. Exactly. Exactly. So. And so I so I anyway, when I ran into Perutz again in this story, this is mm-hmm. seven years before all that happens. OK. He's currently he's still working at Cavendish National Laboratory. Yeah. He's younger. He's Technical, he's yeah. brighter eyed. Suffice it to say, Perutz, even if well intentioned, does not come off super well in the Rosalind Franklin story. Mm-hmm. But I would invite us to look at him in this story with new eyes. In this story, he comes off, in my opinion, as a talented technical resource and collaborator from Pike. Mm-hmm. He wrote a lot of the primary information in the story. He wrote a lot of the technical information. Like, he wrote a whole technical report I read, which is like, that's the main technical information about Habakkuk. Yeah. Again. <laughs> I was trying to think of an analogy of, like, like how do we think about Perutz in this context? Okay. The best I can uh, think of is Iron Man <laughs> in Marvel. Which movie? <laughs> so this is, the, this is kind of the question. Because Iron Man, I think, is written in all the movies not to be a totally heroic figure. He's kind of a dick. He's a little bit of a dick. I think he becomes less of a dick. At the end, mm-hmm. right? So, kind of his story is how is like he starts as totally self spoilers, I guess. <laughs> he starts as totally like self centered and turns into a selfless individual. Yeah. And sort of the turning point, in my opinion, you ask what movie? Mm-hmm. I think Captain America: Civil War. Ooh. Right. I think in that movie, and obviously, just like real life, just like Matt's Perutz, just like Rosalind Franklin, mm-hmm. in that movie, people have a variety of opinions of how to view that movie. Yeah. But my personal opinion is that in that movie, he's kind of a soft bad guy in that movie. Yeah. I think he's a little bit of, uh, kind of the villain of that, but part of, like one, like a minor villain in that movie. He's, well, it, I guess it depends on which side exactly. you see Exactly. I've always been team Cap. I got to be honest. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's been a while since I've seen it. Sure. So sure. I'd have to watch it. My only point is that sometimes our heroes become our villains, mm-hmm. our villains become our heroes, and real life is a lot more nuanced than all of that. I would see Perutz a lot as I would see Iron Man in Marvel, where he always tends to think he's doing the right thing. Maybe mm-hmm. he's not. Maybe there's a greater context. He's talented. He's technical. We can try to take in all the information and then let everyone come to their own conclusion, just like I'll come to my own conclusion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, by the way, the book he wrote that a lot of the primary information comes from is called I Wish I Had Made You Angry Earlier. <laughs> um, nice. Just wanted to get that out of the way. Okay. <laughs> um, great book, by the way. It's, it's very amusingly written. Okay. Um, anyway, whatever our feelings about Perutz, with all that out of the way, he became in- instrumental in helping Pike with the technical parts of our project. Okay. Go off, King. It, well, King, I mean, that's not, <laughs> I don't know if I'm that nice. pro-Perutz here, but yeah. solid guy. Um, I lost my place. <laughs> oh, no. It was around this time, September 1942, that the ice problem became an opportunity. Maybe it always was an opportunity. Again, I'm not super clear on how this started. But, see, as Pike, let's say, dug into the iceberg, <laughs> you know, like 90% of it was yes, below the water, right? Yeah, it's good. He steadily realized that ice could be the Allies' next construction material. What? Huh? Okay. So the icing problem became an ice project, Project Habakkuk. Habakkuk. What is Habakkuk? 
Habakkuk is a book of the Bible. Okay. Perutz in his book says he still has no idea why they called it Project Habakkuk. <laughs> okay. But it's basically like a reference to this quote from the Bible. I'm going to butcher it, but it basically is something like, I will create mighty works in your lifetime that you will not like even believe when you see it or something like that. You know? Okay. It's mm-hmm. it's like, you know, basically we're going to make this badass project. Okay. Um, the concept is simple. All of the wood, metal, and concrete that the Allies could get their hands on was currently being contributed to the war effort. Mm-hmm. So how do you make more stuff without using any more materials? Hmm. Well, what's nature already doing here? It's growing. It's growing well, oh, some ice. It's growing some ice, yeah. Over at the Arctic, which is the region you're trying to defend anyway, buddy. Ooh. Isn't that kind of crazy? So you've got the ice right there. And ice is it's no joke. I mean, ice is no joke. It's hard, you know? So we'll get into the mechanical properties of ice. Mm-hmm. Look, it's no steel. Like, let's be honest here. It's no steel. Yeah. It's not like stainless here. But there are some kind of interesting concepts about ice that make it attractive. We'll talk more about the mechanical properties later. But ice is constantly, as we mentioned, being produced by nature and anyway. Steel takes 100 times more energy to produce than ice anyway. Oh, okay. They're environmentalists. They're environmentalists. (laughs) They're aligning the incentives here. Yeah. But this is probably the most interesting one to me is ice. How do boats work, right? Mm -hmm. Like steel, if you just set a block of steel and water, it's going to sink, right? Yeah. So what you do is you hollow it out, right? Mm -hmm. And then you make it so that it can float. Yeah. But if you get a hole, sorry, go ahead. Buoyancy. Buoyancy, exactly. But if you get a hole, then all the water will rush in, you lose your buoyancy, and it'll sink anyway. Mm -hmm. With ice, if it's just a flat sheet and you make a hole, it's going to float anyway because ice Mm -hmm. is lighter than water. Or, oh. sorry, ice, solid water, <laughs> ice. <laughs> this is very hard for you. It's tough. <laughs> ice floats. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You can put a hole in a piece of ice and it will still float. Yeah. That's a really interesting concept, right? Yeah. Because essentially, if you get a giant thick sheet of ice that you can guarantee will just stay together, Ooh. you just got a mobile landing strip, Ooh, right? Okay. That's yeah. kind of cr- Who's thinking about this stuff at this time? Nobody's thinking about this stuff. This guy was. Takes kind of a wacko and a controversial DNA guy. Yeah, and they do this thing. <laughs> they do this thing. Um, and and by the way, the aircraft landing strip. So the use case Pike proposed was aircraft carriers. Okay, okay? got it. These giant structures. Air superiority is crucial to the Allies. Both so few long range aircraft in those days, and the lack of resources to build more carriers. There were tons of scenarios where the Allies are floating around blind in the water. They don't have the air superiority they need to get mm-hmm. the intel. By the way, intel logistics is what actually wins wars. I'm sorry, folks. It's true. Sorry if that's a controversial statement. It's not. <laughs> So Pike and Perutz begin a literature review to find the properties of ice. Mm -hmm. What they found was inconsistent and unreliable data. Great. Great. That's about as useful as a cock-flavored lollipop, okay? So (laughs) Perutz began experiments testing the properties of ice. Mm -hmm. But it had to be top secret. Nobody – you can't do this, like, out in the open at Cavendish. No, of course. Yeah. yeah, It's – who knows? Especially because, by the way, I was reading Perutz's book. Mm -hmm. He was born in Austria. And the British government was not super pumped about him working on this at all. So Mm. it was kind of better if he hung out in kind of the background, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Perutz began conducting ice experiments in the freezer underneath London's Smithfield Meat Market. (laughs) 
So they had a protective screen of just animal carcasses. And then oh. he was behind the animal carcasses, probably in like a parka or something, yeah. doing all these like ice experiments. That is so funny. So the results, look, I'm not going to pretend like ice is God's gift to mankind here. Mm-hmm. Ice, they found, has a ultimate compressive strength of around 600 PSI, ultimate tensile strength of around 150 PSI. Okay, not great, not terrible. Okay, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you could build stuff out of this. If it floats, it's going to be useful. You can... You it is not gonna really resist small arms fire, right? No, not really. Like if I'm gonna go in for my aircraft landing and some dude like fires one bullet and my airfield like breaks apart, yeah, that's not really an acceptable scenario. Yeah. By the way, uh, if folks don't know, ultimate strength is the point at which a material fails, right? Mm-hmm. So that's so. Well, the, I, I know, but for, yeah. the, for the listeners, stress strain curve, this is what we would look at. It's a, it's a way of determining material properties. You'll typically see like you increase the stress and the strain also increases. And then you'll hit a dip point where you're at your yield strength. Yeah. So this is where the material yields, but it doesn't fail necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then the curve continues. And then the top of the curve is the ultimate tensile strength. And that's where it fails. Yeah. Um, the curve looks a little different depending on your materials. If you're brittle, most metals will experience something called necking, which is like it starts to fail and it's you're, you're basically fucked with that. Yeah. Point. I took um, a class on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mechanics both, of materials. Yeah, we both did. <laughs> I, we called it solid mechanics for whatever reason. Uh, well, it was like literally the same thing. <laughs> it was literally the same thing. Um, however, mm-hmm. one day, Perutz is putzing about... <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> <That's> weird. <laughs> Just hanging out. And Pike runs into whatever room he's in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, check this the frick out. I think these guys, he's like holding a paper. Okay. He's like, I think these guys figured out something interesting, but I'm not technical enough to figure this out. Can you tell me what these guys are saying? Mm-hmm. Perutz takes the paper, reads it. Two scientists inspired by them, by the way. So I think Ooh. I think they knew Perutz. Somehow they had found out about this project. Mm. Their names were Mark and Hohenstein. They discovered that if you took ice and had those properties, look, those properties are fine, right? Yeah, like they're, they're okay. They're, yeah, but if you mix wood pulp into ice, the mechanical properties increase dramatically and nonlinearly. Ooh. Okay. So it's it gets stronger. We're talking 1,100 psi ultimate compressive strength. Ooh. 700 PSI ultimate tensile strength? Are you kidding me? Okay. Okay, so we might kind of be in business now. Like, that's insane. But how do you add wood pulp to the Arctic? So this is, we'll get into some of the, the, yeah, so this this becomes a whole thing. So, but at this point, they're just like, wow, this is awesome. By the way, these guys called this new ice wood material pikrete in honor of pike. That's so sweet. That's kind of a nice thing. What a a thing. (laughs) So the point was, like, you, they found, so Perutz obviously did a bunch. He literally called his guys and he's like, take all of our ice samples and just throw them the fuck out. <laughs> he's like, put in the wood pulp. He finds that a 14% wood to water mixture is mm-hmm. the best bang for your buck, essentially. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. That was the Pycrete formulation they went with, mm-hmm. okay? And at this, with this new material, yes, you kind of, like, you remove the nature-making stuff element of it. Mm-hmm. But they were... St- like really pumped anyway and they're just like we're just gonna go for it sorry we're just gonna do it (laughs) so uh, with this new material it seemed inevitable that Pike would be able to build his magnum opus a giant aircraft carrier made completely not completely but made mostly (laughs) out of Pikecrete Pikecrete got it big ships wait shit (laughs) part three (laughs) 
big ships. Okay. Big problems. <laughs> Do continue. So by now, it's late 1942, and Pike's updates to Lord Mountbatten have gotten quite interesting. Mm. Interesting enough, in fact, Mountbatten paid a visit to someone he knew would be a little interested. He was going to want to take a look at this. Okay. Ever heard of him? Prime Minister Winston Churchill. I don't think I have. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, I've heard of him. Where we'll fight them in the sewers. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that, that was him, right? Yeah, but that was not a good impersonation. <laughs> so, have you heard that story where uh, Winston Churchill, famous alcoholic, mm-hmm. and um, he was at a party, and somebody said, "Winston, you're drunk," and he was like, "Ma'am, I'm ugly." But wait, no, he was like, "Ma'am, you're ugly, and tomorrow I'll be sober." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I... <laughs> Damn, he really got Witty guy. Good. Witty guy. But what a lot of people haven't heard is the second punchline to that story. Mm-hmm. Because he was famous for being a super al- alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So her response was, yeah, right. <laughs> I love the Brits. I love the I Brits love so, much. so much. <laughs> so good. That is so fucking funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. <laughs> Also, uh, I bet she wasn't ugly. He was just being a dick. <laughs> he was an int- he was a like a lot of people in this episode. He was a complex fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, so uh, not by the way. This is the story. I'm sorry. I, don't know why I said <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so, by the way, here's the story. <laughs> <laughs> so Lord Mountbatten shows up at Prime Minister Winston Churchill's house. Hmm. They were homies like that. Mm-hmm. Staff member apologized. Says, "Hey, so sorry." Churchill's upstairs. He's actually in the bath right now. Now mm-hmm. Baden's like, huh, good. <laughs> he walks in on Churchill in the bath with a block of pikecrete. And before Churchill can say anything, he just yeets it into <laughs> his bath. This is a real thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> he plunks it into the bath between Churchill's big pudgy legs. <laughs> And Churchill, instead of yelling at Mountbatten, just stares. They're both staring, and the pikerite does not melt. They're, like, staring at it for minutes, and it's just not melting. Ooh. And, Pi- and Churchill's like, I'll listen to what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they start discussing pikerite as a potential building material because mm-hmm. Churchill, again, professionals talk logistics. Mm-hmm. Churchill's really interested in how do we build more ships? How do we do everything? Churchill is kind of interested. Mm-hmm. It's like I think I think this whole this whole project Habakkuk thing you told me about, he needs it needs to move forward with quote the highest priority. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Okay. okay. Not bad for someone who walked in on me nude in my birthday suit. Yes. <laughs> and uh threw a block of ice at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. Mountbatten, by the way, was kind of intri- into these, like, weird stunts. Mm-hmm. So another wacky story. In 1943, um, he pulled a similar stunt for some allied admirals and generals. The So where it happened uh, is contested, and what the aftermath was was also contested. So I mentioned before some of the details here. Perutz yeah. has a version of this that's different from other sources I've read. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is you have some allied admirals and generals in a room with Mountbatten sometime okay. in 1943. Okay. He has a block of ice and a block of pikerite. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you guys want to see something cool? And they're like, sure. He pulls out a fucking gun <laughs> and 
shoots the ice. Anyways, I started blasting. And literally, he starts blasting. So he shoots the ice. The ice explodes and shatters. Oh, my God. And then he's like, now check this out. And he shoots the pikecrete. It does not shatter, which is fucking crazy. Whoa. But in all sto- versions of the story I read, the bullet ricochets and hits somebody. <laughs> It either, like, grazes somebody's leg or bounces off their oh, shoulder. Oh, like, no. But it was no hard feelings because everybody was, like, really impressed with it. Oh, my. No. Just imagine if, like, somebody pulled out a fucking gun. That is such a that is such a cool party trick. I know. I know. <laughs> I think this was before they understood about, like, ear protection, too. So oh, I bet he just yeah. pulled out a fucking gun. Yeah, probably. What? What was that? I didn't hear you. What'd you say? <laughs> I said it's really impressive! I can't hear you! (laughs) I read one version of the story where some guy was outside the room and he was like, oh my god, the Americans are shooting the British. (laughs) Because obviously the Americans would do that. Yeah. So anyway, as you can tell, Mountbatten is on kind of like a PR support tour, Mm -hmm. right? And he ends up bringing in the resources to uh, give Pike enough resources to build a massive Pikerete prototype it was 60 feet, so think of, like, a bowling, like, lane, essentially, yeah, yeah. by 30 feet, so okay. not a bad size. Yeah. Build it in Canada, Patricia Lake in Alberta, Canada. Oh, okay. It's a little chilly up there. It's a, it's a, little, it's a little cold. chilly up it's there, right? It's a little right? cold, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the architecture here. It wasn't just a giant thing of pikerete, right? Mm-hmm. They did bring the pikerete in, but they actually had an active cooling system on board. Ooh. Powered by a motor, one horsepower, less than I would think. Interesting. Well, and it's already cold there. It's so chilly. They probably, You're just helping yeah. it along, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you, you do a one horsepower motor. That keeps it frozen. You know, they build the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing was built by conscientious objectors. Oh. And they had no clue what they were working on. Okay. So a conscientious, do you know what that is? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the term. So back in the day, you would have military service. Like, there would be a draft. You have to, like, work for the military. Mm-hmm. But um, some people are like, hey, I don't want to fight in the war. And they're like, oh. okay, well, we'll give you a job. Like, rather, you'll support the war effort, but you don't have to shoot people, right? Okay. Uh, for religious or whatever reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And so instead of working, like, being on the front lines in Normandy, these guys <laughs> were building this giant fucking, like, <laughs> have a cook prototype. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of prefer that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, apparently it worked out. Apparently it was really good. It, the mechanical properties were confirmed. Um, they were really interesting. I read a bunch of estimates. By the way, um, so it, it, I mentioned before, it's not pure pikery, right? There's a little yeah. metal reinforcement. You know, yeah. it's, you're basically using it as the prime. In the rocket world, we would call it the primary structure. Mm-hmm. So the big structural elements are pikerete. And then yeah. what we would call the secondary structures. So the, you know, maybe some trusses or, or you know, sort of additional stuff. Yeah. That could be metal, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not that rare, right? Cool. Okay. So I'm spitting all over the place here. Um, <laughs> Say it. Don't spray it. Oh. No. Uh, I hurt your feelings, didn't I? Not really. Okay. <laughs> um, I... I read a bunch of estimates of how long it took this prototype to melt, mm-hmm. but it took years. Like, Whoa. Least the, the lowest I heard was over a year for this thing to melt. Whoa, that yeah. is insane. And actually, if you go to Patricia Lake and you look in and you go to the bottom, you can still see the metal parts because it all oh. melted and then all the metal parts oh, went to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that is so fucking cool. Isn't that kind of cool? That's kind of cool. <laughs> I read estimates as long as, like, three hot – these are hot summers, by the way. Mm-hmm. Three hot summers for this thing to melt. I have, I hadn't heard of any of this, by the way. <laughs> um, but that that's a conversation for the end. Churchill was informed of the progress and invited the chiefs of staff committee to order a complete ship on the condition that the prototype was successful. So okay. they built the prototype, but mm-hmm. they need to verify the objectives, mm-hmm. and they need to verify 
the manufacturing system, <laughs> right? Yep. How many resources does it take to make this? Mm-hmm. The title of this section, Big Ships, Big Problems. Uh-oh. This is when we start to get our problems. Mm. Couple of couple of reasons here. One, little our our old friend, our old friend in engineering, mm-hmm. we've all encountered it. Mm-hmm. Some of us are the instigators. You know it. Civil engineering? Scope creep. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a civil engineering joke. No, no, no. No, you would no, never. No, I would never do that. <laughs> scope, scope creep. Save okay, me. yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, you get, you proved the concept. Now is when you talk to the naval guys and you're like, hey, I think I might have something here. Uh, you know, like, what do you guys need? Like, what would be useful for you if we're making an aircraft carrier out of this? They're mm-hmm. like, okay, you need 7,000-mile range. That's a non-starter. 7,000 mile? It needs to be able to go 3,500 miles and come back. Like, Oh, yeah. whoa, that is yeah. a big 3,500 miles. Yeah, so you need – it needs to be able to just stay out there basically because, like, the point is to just have, like, superiority of, like, like – you're basically trying to set up islands essentially, right, oh, that you can land and, and okay. you know. Okay, okay, And, okay. you know, so you need these massive propulsion systems on board and then mm-hmm. you need steering. They were trying this different – this was kind of cool. They were trying a steering system where – like it's it, in the rocket world. I don't know what you'd actually call it. I would call it like differential propulsion or something. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you have two motors, you fire one and you don't fire the other, and then it turns the oh, vehicle. Yeah, yeah. They should do that, but for whatever reason, the navy was like, "No, you need a giant fucking rudder to steer it like mechanically." Oh, I think they that's were just dumb. jealous. Maybe they were jelly. <laughs> um, what else? It, it needs to be torpedo proof, right? So the mm-hmm. second that the the enemy realizes you have the this whole thing out there, they're going to be like bombs away, right? Yeah, but are most naval carriers torpedo proof? I don't think so. Steel, I mean, steel does a decent job. I I don't know offhand. I think modern probably probably would be. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Back in these days, yeah. I mean, you, you basically to get torpedo proof, it needs to be forty feet thick. The <gasps> hole needs to literally be fucking forty feet. What the fuck? Be- because of that, the actual Habakkuk aircraft carrier design they submitted was by far the largest vessel that would ever have been created on oh, planet Earth. <laughs> Things like Noah's Ark on like insane steroids. I mean, thirty five hundred miles. It's a long way out. It's Dude. a long way out. Yeah. Thirty five hundred three five zero zero. Three five zero zero. Dude, that is larger than. Three five zero zero miles? No, no, the ship is not that big. Oh. No, 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 no. It needs to be able to go out thirty five hundred miles and come back. It needs a seven thousand mile range. Oh, okay. I was so confused. I was like, insane. That is literally (laughs) bigger. That would be a country. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. If anything, they like should have made it not have a big range, but just like made it a giant iceberg or something. Yeah. That would be cool. Dude, no, 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 no. I was like, that's so big. Why would anyone want something that big? That would be insane. Yeah. That would be cool. We should make that. No, but anyways. <laughs> uh, what you do need is a 2,000 foot, so half a mile. You need yeah. it to be half a mile. Okay. Half a mile long. That is much Still. more reasonable than 3,500 miles, which I don't know why I that was stuck in my head. It's still massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still freaking massive. Like It's like a half... It's like a half mile long thing. Mm-hmm. That's so that heavy bombers can take off from it, right? Yeah. So the Navy puts in their wish list. We get our scope creep. Mm. But there's an even bigger problem that Perutz is still tackling, which is mechanical creep. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. So for folks who don't know, creep is a sort of deformation 
that can happen in more ductile materials. So you see this in metal a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Where you give it a tiny load and nothing happens at first, but over time, this teeny tiny load just slowly deforms it. Mm -hmm. Like imagine you just had a sheet and you're pulling on the middle of the sheet just with a teeny tiny force and eventually you just get deformation. Yeah. I'm sure in the civil world, you see this because the weight of buildings, they'll sag under their own weight. Yeah, exactly. And this thing was so big that you start to see the exact same things. Mm. And picrete is actually a fairly ductile material, which is kind of crazy when you think because ice is so brittle. Yeah. But funny enough, you can actually machine picrete. Like you can take a, 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 a lathe. And, like, machine it. And, like, I'm sorry, not a lathe. You can plane it like you would wood. Okay. That is so cool. Wacky. Wacky Wacky stuff. Wacky. A little wacky to backy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a problem. You have scope creep. You have mechanical creep. Mm -hmm. They haven't solved either of those. And then finally, remember way back in this podcast. Yeah. Like an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We said that Pike was removed uh, from the... M29 weasel project. Yeah. Because like geniuses often are, he was a little hard to work with. Understandable. So they wanted to get the Americans involved. Uh, you know, you already got the Canadians involved. Let's get the Americans involved. The Americans are literally like, we are not going to work with that guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, just full stop. We're not doing I, it. I love that. <laughs> Hitler could take over the world and we're still not going to fucking work with that guy. <laughs> Which um, is okay. kind of a crazy thing. But the British government's like, okay, he's off the project. They fire Pike. Whoa. So that they could appease the dirty Americans. <laughs> God, I fucking hate these guys. The Brits are the worst. <laughs> They're so awful. Oh, I was saying the Americans. Oh. I'm just kidding, obviously. So you're siding with the Brits? I just love their little accents. Their little accent and their <laughs> shy type. <laughs> now I really got it's spit everywhere. Tuesday, innit? Tuesday. Anyone got shaggy? <laughs> um, so look. All this stuff is big problems, Mm -hmm. but there is a much larger problem. Okay. This is like, you know, this is your baseline stuff. Your project manager gets fired. You can recover from that. Yeah. Some mechanical problems. A little reinforcement. Not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. The Navy wants their scope creep. Okay, we'll do a little, we'll do a second prototype and then we'll do, you know, we'll we'll, we'll figure that out. Mm. But the real problem was the original sin that you pointed out so, so quickly and so astutely, the second I mentioned pikecrete and wood pulp, mm-hmm. one of the biggest advantages here is that you can't just grab ice out of nature anymore. Yeah. And part of the reason Churchill loved this project is like he was like he was like we need to let nature do all the work and we're just going to harvest it. Real imperialist kind of mindset, <laughs> by the way. Oh my God. Let's <laughs> um, not get into that. <laughs> I won't get into that. But my point is that you know he was a big fan of the fact that nature's making this stuff. We just got to arrange it mm-hmm. with pikecrete. You're now making everything. Yes, it takes less energy to produce than steel. Mm-hmm. But what does take a gigantic amount of energy is now you literally have to make these giant freezers, essentially, right? Where you have the slurry and you're yeah. feeding it into the freezer. What's mm-hmm. that freezer made out of? Steel. Okay. <laughs> so you might as well just make a fucking aircraft carrier yeah. at that point. They yeah. realize it would actually be more expensive to build the production equipment than just conventional aircraft carriers. At this point in the war, they just can't. They can't do that. Mm. Right? Okay. Yeah. So this is this is... Everything else I think you can recover from. Mm-hmm. But this is why I always say the manufacturing <laughs> and how you go to scale is, again, love Habakkuk, so much more important. I agree. Because it's it's not feasible now. It's just not feasible. Yeah. Like, if if you found picrete in nature, I think you could solve every other problem. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um. Okay. 
from Perutz, quote, The U.S. Navy finally decided that Habakkuk was a false prophet. One reason was that the enormous amount of steel needed for the refrigeration plant that was to freeze the picrate was greater than that needed to build the entire carrier of steel. But the crucial argument was that the rapidly increasing range of land-based aircraft rendered floating islands unnecessary. Mm. Okay? okay? So what he's talking about is the introduction of long-range fuel tanks that you just slap onto planes. Mm-hmm. That's going to allow the British-based aircraft extra patrol time over the Atlantic. Oh, okay. So, so it was... Yeah. At it, that point, yeah. it's like we're just going to live on England, fly around, we have so much extra range, and now I don't need this island that I have to land on in the middle of the freaking Arctic and anything could go wrong out there. Okay, gotcha. Right. Um, additionally, they got permission from Portugal to use airfields in the Azores, which facilitated the hunting of U-boats in the Atlantic, right? Oh, okay. Plus, you have an increased number of escort carriers, and the whole thing starts to be like, okay, at the exact same time that your problems are mounting, the exact same, like, the, the reasons for this to exist are actually decreasing, right? Mm, so okay. that's a really bad position to be. Yeah. Oh, but it would have been so cool. would have been badass. It would have been, been so awesome. cool. <laughs> right. Um... At this point, Mountbatten's just like, okay, sorry. And he also withdraws from the project. Oh, yeah, oh that's bad. Project. That's bad. So he was kind of, you know, was like, so you've lost guy. Pike, you've lost Perutz. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, uh, Mountbatten. I think Perutz hung on, but I don't think it, yeah. I, yeah. His book, he sounds like kind of scary. It, it, it sounded, so Pike apparently pitched him being like, I want you to work on the most important project of the war <laughs> with me. And Perutz oh. was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> Go off. Go off, King. Um, apparently, by the way, nobody on the project wanted to bring any of this news to Churchill because Churchill was still a giant Habakkuk oh, fan. No. <laughs> yeah. Break his little heart. Break his little <laughs> Churchill heart. Apparently, yeah. He mentioned Habakkuk in his book, The Second World War, which we had mentioned before. Mm-hmm. He actually mentions it. I don't know what he said about it, but I'm he's sure probably like, it. I fucking love this project. Yeah. I fucking love this project. He's not Irish. I know, I know. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I fucking love this bloody project. <laughs> okay. He's He's not Hagrid either. <laughs> why do you keep doing Hagrid? That is the only British accent I can do. Why do you? Why does your voice go deeper? I, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I think I just can't do a British accent without doing an Irish accent. Okay. Um. Finally, we get to December 1943. Mm-hmm. The board of the project, quote, the large Habakkuk II, which is one of their prototype designs, basically. Mm-hmm made of picrete, has been found to be impractical because of the enormous production resources required and technical difficulties involved. Damn. Yeah. It's a bummer. It is. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could just make, like, giant islands everywhere? Yeah, that would be so cool. Out of picrete. Out of picrete. They just slowly melt away. (laughs) You get, like, a year or two out of them. Yeah. I actually, this had me thinking last night, like, what is the modern use case? Like, can we dust this concept off? Like, I Mm. I was actually thinking a big part of rocket launches is sea launches, right? People do this. Like, I don't think anybody's really doing this yet. Mm -hmm. But, for example, SpaceX bought an oil rig at one point, which they've since returned, actually, funny Mm. enough. So I guess they decided not to go with it. Okay. But one of the – because, like, if you're actually going to launch, like, let's say a rocket a day from the Earth's surface or, like, you know, several rockets a day. Yeah. You're not going to do that from, like, Cape Canaveral. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of regulatory stuff there. Mm-hmm. You would way rather go out to the middle of, like, the ocean and, like, if it was, like, a giant ice flow, that's fine because it's all disposable, right? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Elon, <laughs> When are you up. getting on this? <laughs> um, it's got – but. I think you would run into the thing of, like, you do need to make the initial investment for picrete, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like yeah. you need to make the refrigeration equipment. 
that said, you know, we're not in a war anymore. Um, yeah, that's true. And I don't know. I'm sure, you know, SpaceX probably has the money to, to yeah. do that, right? What if we pitched Elon on this? Ooh. It's like, don't listen to our other episodes. Yeah, just, just this one. Elon, <laughs> daddy, please. I mean, he probably is in San Francisco right now. Possibly, yeah. yeah which is not where we are. No, we're in Friendship, Ohio, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, here, here's a here's a quote actually that I think kind of um, is related to what we're talking about. Yeah. Quote by Perutz. Mm-hmm. Quote: It must be remembered that the Berg ship. By the way, Berg ship is what they were calling the iceberg ships. Oh, I, I love, love that. that. That's great. <laughs> That's actually a nice name. That's a the fun Berg name. Ship. Okay. Quote, it must be remembered that the Bergship plan was only one of several apparently impossible engineering feats conceived during the war, e.g. the atomic bomb, and that the question was not so much one of absolute feasibility, but rather of whether the ultimate strategic advantages to be gained by the Bergships were in proportion to the expenditure of manpower and materials involved in their construction. In fact, I think that had not the course of the war and the state of our armaments changed, the Bergship could have been constructed. Considerable progress was in fact made on the design, and many ingenious plans were developed for the construction of the ship, end quote. Hmm. So I guess my, I have a final, final point, but I think my, the question I want to ask you, what's the use case? Should we build Pycrete stuff? Yes. Yes? <laughs> Instantly, yes. I don't even care where, what we would use this for. Yeah. I just want to build Pycrete. I just want, I got it. Mm-hmm. Libertarian seasteading, right? <laughs> we get a bunch of people who want to defect from the U.S. government. Oh, you God. live in this ice palace and everything's <laughs> ice themed and it's like fire and ice. Yeah, okay. Wouldn't that be badass? Sure, why not? <laughs> I think that would be cool. And it's a perfect complement to our skill sets. You do the civil engineering Ooh. and I'll do all the mechanical stuff. Okay, right? I don't hate it. Okay, so this is our startup. Um. Okay, <laughs> I'm hearing Let's yes. Need a million dollars. Anyone know where we can get that? A milli, please. <laughs> a milli. Um, I got what I got. One last weird. Th- I feel like this episode, the like weird wacky stories. Yeah. We're like we had a higher than usual proportion. Mm-hmm. I got one final weird wacky story. Okay. Just a weird connection between all this. Okay. Jeffrey Pike had a first cousin named Magnus. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine your name was Magnus Pike. Oh, my God. That is – that's kind of a cool name. It's not a bad I name. I don't hate it. For a British name, it's not a bad name. Yeah. That's actually the most normal British name. I know. <laughs> Least weird British name. <laughs> but Magnus Pike, he has a few claims to fame. Mm-hmm. His, the one that I had heard of, his main claim to fame for Paul Cipriani, for me mm-hmm. – he is the guy. This is insane to me when I learned this. Do you know that song where it's like, she blinded me with science? Da, da, da. No, I don't know that song. You don't know that song? Are you kidding me? She no. blinded me with science? Uh-huh. She hit me with technology. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look it up later. Oh, I'm so that's I'm so disappointed because so he's so the guy on the song going, she blinded me with science. I did, I, I'm, I'm totally in the dark on this one. Wow. I... Folks, I, I, my, it's your you can't see it. <laughs> we do need a video podcast. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm crushed. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, Jeffrey Pike. We'll listen to it after this. But okay, yeah. His first cousin was the guy who, on the song "She Blinded Me with Science," said that she, she, she blinded, blinded him with science. with science. Yeah, I got it. Wow. What an episode. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I literally, this has me thinking so much about like, why are we not building? I really think <laughs> rocket launch platforms could be made out of pikrete 
Elon, where are you? Where are you We've on this? I've got an idea. It's already been done. Just listen. Perutz thinks that it could have been perfected and it was just a resources thing. I think so. I think it could have been perfect, but you know, when you're in wartime, you know, I get you it. don't have yes. unlimited resources. Well, we don't have a crazy maniac trying to take over the world anymore. I mean, I'm sure we have several, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any successful ones. I was going to say, have you been watching that? <laughs> uh, we, I, I would say that uh, once World War Three breaks out, we can put this on hold. But until yeah. then, dude, you know, okay. This has nothing to do with the episode. Okay. <laughs> but it would be crazy if, like, we did have World War Three, and then you would see all of our manufacturing. Like, I'm sure, like, SpaceX would turn into, like, a missile, like, company. And, like, Probably, Tesla yeah. Tesla would make, like, tanks or something. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> That'd be insane. I remember during be. COVID, Tesla made, like, respirators. Yeah, I think they did. I, I, but I think a couple, a couple companies were yeah, doing oh, yeah. stuff like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the entire manufacturing base of the United States would be, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Not that I'm hoping for a war. That sounds Yeah, terrible. that sounds... I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> so that's it on this. Hey, Anna, I Ooh. heard you might have a little bit of a surprise. I have a surprise. Su- surprise. A surprise. A s- what? <laughs> that's it's a Cards not... Against Humanity card. I don't know. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I am starting the Fantasy Engineering Podcast. Woo! It'll be once a month. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to have different seasons uh, showcasing engineering and different, like, series. So, for example, Harry Potter or Star Wars or Star Trek. We're going to go over each of their um, engineering innovations, okay. if you will. Okay. In each season. So... I'll be starting that. We'll be dropping one episode a month at the yes. beginning, the first weekend of that month. So gotcha. we'll be dropping our first episode probably sometime in February. I'm okay. gonna work on a commercial for it. We'll drop. We'll 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 probably put the commercial up. We'll get the timeline ironed out. Yeah. We'll get the commercial ironed out. Yeah. Will it be a separate, I guess it'll be a separate podcast feed? It'll be a separate, yeah. And I'm going to try and incorporate visuals as well. Ooh, a so YouTube for the, presence? For the YouTube, yeah. We should figure that out for this podcast. We should put this podcast on YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Well, I gotta say, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a kid who read those little Star Wars, like, uh, like yeah. shit breakdowns, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this kind of stuff, and... Mm-hmm. I, did you already say what the first season's going to be, or is it a surprise? It's going to be a surprise. Excellent, yeah. excellent. So any kind of engineering or innovation, we're going to go over it, and we're going to try and apply it to the real world as well. Ooh. Yeah. Little, so we're pulling in the Engineering History Podcast knowledge base. Mm-hmm, exactly. EHPKB, yeah. if you will. And we're just going to, you know, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. We're going to see how feasible, uh, you know, some of these stuff is in our our world, or if it's based off of um, inventions in our world as well. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I'm well, excited. I got to say, I'm excited for it too. Mm-hmm. I'm Fantasy looking forward to the trailer. Fantasy Eng- Is that what it's going to be called? Yeah. I couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> no, that's great. That's a great name. Great. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, looking forward to that. Thanks, as always, folks, for listening. Mm-hmm. Till then. Cheers. Cheers and a clink. Bye. Bye. Oh, bud.